Craig, are you ready? Hold on. A one, a two. I have, I have something ready. Give, give me a second. Patron couldn't take no more. It ain't no <laughs> lie. He kicked his ass out that door. Ernie, bye, 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 bye. bye. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready. Oh, my God. We're so happy, Craig. All right, everyone. Welcome to a special emergency broadcast of podcast versus everyone. Ernie Kent has been fired edition. Oh, Man, Jeff. I'm so, like, I, I am so full of joy right now. And, and it, I, you know, I don't know how many of the listeners are like regular readers of Cook Center. I imagine most of them are. Um, I've obviously been on the uh, can't stand Ernie train for a few years now, but I'm also not typically the kind of person to dance on someone's grave. Um, but when that grave is filled with $4.2 million and the guy will, uh, you know, basically lay in a lawn chair on top of that grave in the sun while not cleaning up the mess that he made. Um, yeah, I have, I have no problem dancing on his grave and being incredibly excited that I no longer have to watch him coach my basketball team. Yeah. It's just an instant, uh, an instant loss of apathy like it's just uh yeah. we it's it's been it's been so sad that we had to basically start this podcast to force ourselves to talk about the basketball team because neither of us could come up with any reason to write about anything outside of like recaps you know about about the about the team and and suddenly, right. you know, now we're looking for a new coach uh the coach that uh, I, I should be honest, you know, it's funny. Um, I was watching the game with my sister yesterday, and she has played a lot of basketball, had a lot of different coaches, ran a lot of different offenses. Uh, she played junior college ball and all that stuff. And she's just, and I, she obviously doesn't watch them that much, um, but uh, she's just watching the Cougs play offense, and she's like, uh, what offense are they trying to run? It, it, it looks like they aren't doing anything. welcome to ernie kent man like yeah you know like it's it she's like i think they're doing pass and screen away i'm like i told you it's like reckley pollock yeah that that sounds remarkably like something i have said repeatedly which is just like i have two days ago two days ago i have no idea what they're trying to accomplish out there so so with that craig i am gonna crack a celebratory beer and it's it's not the one that i told you i was gonna drink before so hold hold on Ah, beautiful. So this is, I'm going to have a uh, Sticky Hands from Block 15. And so I kind of thought how I'm going to tie this in thematically. So the Sticky Hands are Ernie Kent's money-grubbing paws that are going to be grabbing all that money on his way out the door. But, but, um, this is one of my favorite beers, and it is best consumed fresh. I know you like to let it sit for a little bit. Um, but I like it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like it as fast as I can drink it. Um, they they're really uh, really good about canning them and, and distributing them right away so that you can drink it within a week or two of when it was canned. Um, and so, I'm drinking this in celebration of a fresh perspective, a fresh coach, and a fresh outlook on WSU basketball. Yeah, I I didn't. I just went with 
some dope ass beer. I didn't go for any sort of um, uh, thematic thing. Um, so uh, I'm starting out with here uh, Floodland Brewing Protection Spells. Um, it is a uh, it's a long description, but it's essentially uh, a saison mixed with uh, an, what he calls acid beer, uh, which is just a really tart beer. So he blends it, and he um, and then he it's refermented on Hawaiian Punch Pluots. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, he mentions Yakima Valley, where I'm from, on here, but uh, so. Floodland Brewing is uh, probably most of our listeners are not familiar with it, but um, if you're familiar with Holy Mountain Brewing, uh, this guy started at Holy Mountain Brewing, um, and he had they had a little bit of a schism, and he went to start his own project, which is all uh, wild ales and saisons. Um, he doesn't have his own brewery. He brews at, mostly at Sea Pine, the Wart, and then he takes it back and ages everything in oak. Um, this for most the 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 most the easiest access to get his beer is to be in the club. That's the only way you can get any number in any quantity of the beer. So I was one of the first 200 people to sign up for his uh, club. Uh, so I basically paid him money for beer that he had yet to make. <laughs> um, it could just because of my faith in his ability based on what he made at Holy Mountain. And it has been, uh, that was about two years ago, and it has been one of the uh, best decisions I've ever made from a beer perspective, because um, uh, he does occasional um, uh, kind of, uh, he does occasional uh, online sales where the people can buy like three bottles, and uh, but you have to be on a waiting list and like be really quick with your, quick on the draw. But I just get, you know, I get an email and he says, all right, you have two weeks to fill out your allotment. I always max out the allotment, of course. Um, there's a certain number of beers included with the membership. So that basically those pay, you pay for those beers, and then you have the opportunity to buy more beers. And so my seller is just starting to fill up with these. He has a basically a quarter or five times a year release. And I end up buying, you know, eight or nine bottles in the, in the each time. And so uh, the, these are very special to me, like I, because they're exactly what I was looking for. They're these very well balanced, um, not acidic. They're just like perfectly made uh, sour beers, or like or sour saison and, and saisons. Um, and he just he only uses fresh fruit. Uh, um, he he won't use any uh, fruit puree, which is common in a lot of fruited uh, beers. Um, so his fruit his beers are very seasonal. Um, he ages them pre in the bottle so he's like you know dr drink these beers right now you know so this is his um, 2019 version of protection spells just a glorious beer it is not purple uh, the label <laughs> um it's a little bit a little bit almost red from the hawaiian punch pluots it's a beautiful beer it's yeah it's kind of this pinkish reddish hue it is fucking fantastic like it's just you get the, the the fruit flavor. It's just beautifully balanced. It's it's amazing. I love this brewery. It's everything I wanted um, in a brewery, uh, and and uh, I'm so happy about it. Um, and so it pretty much my happiness uh, as to how much uh, 
uh, I am about Ernie Kent being gone is, is, is pretty much how I feel about this brewery all the time. So yeah, I tied it in. There we go. You know, I, I can tie it in. Um, this is rated five Gardner Minshews out of five or five Ernie Kent firings out of five. How about there that? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, wait, yeah, like you said, paying that dude 4.2 mil still. Yeah. And I am so proud of Chun for just pulling the trigger anyway, man. Yeah. just, uh, just get, just let it go. You know, it, that that Oregon game was the perfect ending to yeah. that era. And uh, I got to tell you, this beer has never tasted better. Never, <laughs> never taste, and it's a damn good tasting beer too. I get two uh, whole bottles of this beer. There's probably about 500 made total, four or 500. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I, 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 I cherish these Floodland beers. So like, you know, I was like, I, who, who else would I open, uh, tonight? Um, one of my favorite, well, my, my favorite American brewery and, and, yeah. and so, um, cheers to that, man. Uh, yeah. uh, I have, I have a couple other beers too, <laughs> uh, cause, um, the readers don't know the little inside behind the scenes. Uh, my laptop wasn't charged, and if you have it plugged in, it creates a horrible buzzing sound. So Jeff and I had to delay the podcast a little bit while my laptop charged. Um, you might hear my uh, my girlfriend laughing really loudly. In the back. <laughs> my sister's over. She watched the uh, she watched Beatrix tonight, so we could go to Captain Marvel. It's pretty funny. I I didn't. I, you know, we were looking forward to this. It's like the second movie we've seen since Beatrix was born. And uh, we we were so excited about it. And and so we, you know, we booked the movie tickets, all this stuff. Um, I made enchiladas tonight. They were delicious. Um, so I kind of, I was, I had missed the uh, news initially. Uh, I know you had pinged me to publish the post that you wrote uh, months and months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll uh, talk about that in a sec because yep, yep, that's yep. that's pretty and, funny. And so, but I wasn't even looking at my phone. I was making enchiladas, and and so I was I was in the middle of eating enchiladas, and then I I uh, I, I can't remember why because I, I usually try not to check my phone during dinner. Just you know, I don't I don't want to do that with B and stuff. You know, try to be a sure, good dad. Good dad. Good dad. Um, but I uh, there was something that made me check the phone. Uh, oh no, I was because I'm doing my fitness pal, so I was logging my calories or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and so I. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Slack and I'm, I'm seeing like publish, publish, publish. And then like I'm scrolling up. And I'm like, holy shit. No fucking yeah. way. Yeah. Like I knew if it was going to happen, it was going to happen like today, tomorrow. Yeah. Like, it was going to happen, you know, soon. There, there's no reason to delay something like that. Yeah. I, it's, it did surprise me though a little bit. Not, not so much. I mean, like I don't sit there and go like, Oh my God, that happened so fast. I'm totally shocked. Like, it's not shocking, but at the same time, I was sort of like, I don't know. I think we all expected maybe there might be a couple days. Maybe Chun tries to, and we'll get to the money thing in a sec, but, you know, maybe Chun tries to negotiate the buyout down or tries to negotiate how it's going to be paid off, maybe extending the terms, you know, something, right? Um, you know, so I wasn't anticipating it happening within 24 hours, to be honest. I mean, you got to figure they, you know, you got to figure they didn't fly back last night from Vegas. Or maybe, I mean, maybe they did, but I doubt it. You know, the game didn't get over till 11. I, I doubt they were, you know, they had a flight on standby. So I'm sure they flew back this morning. 
So when the when the news broke, I mean, if we're kind of piecing this timeline together, the news broke at what four thirty, something like that. So I mean, if we're piecing this timeline together, I mean, we're talking he was probably back in Pullman for six hours before he was fired, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I um, mean, he may have been fired before the news leaked out too. So I mean, yeah, he, very yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, I went, you know, I I had you know at school today and. Um, had a club, had my journalism club with some kids after school and then uh, decided, all right, I'm going to go, uh, you know, before I go home, I'm going to stop by the Y and, uh, you know, go for a run. And, you know, so I'm, I'm running for a half an hour and, you know, just listening to a podcast, you know, blissful college basketball podcast, blissfully unaware of what's happening. Um, and then as I'm walking out to my car with my kids, I look at my phone and my phone starts blowing up and I'm like, on the one hand, I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's happening. It's happening. And then all of a sudden I'm like, shit, I'm not at my computer. Shit, shit, shit. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I got to get this story published. And you know, and the funny thing was, so you alluded to it. Um, and I think I may have even mentioned it on the, one of our first episodes, but, um, there was a little thing that happened earlier this year when Ernie got delayed. It was actually the, the trip to Oregon, uh, for Oregon and Oregon state, Ernie and the basketball team got delayed coming back. And we got an email from the, um, from the person, the SID who sort of, you know, manages the press conferences and um, she sent this email that just said, like, the news conference was the postponed indefinitely. It's, it just sounded very ominous. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe maybe Chund was just like, I'm done and fired in midseason. So I start writing the Ernie Kemp fired story. Now, I you know, I'm thinking probably not. But at the same time, it was like so cathartic to write this story, <laughs> you know, this like 700, 800 word story on Ernie getting fired. Um, so I write it. And then, of course, you know, after la- and then and then it doesn't get published. So then after last night, after the game happens, I stayed up another, you know, 30 minutes, went back through that story, updated all the the records and everything else and made it sound like I wrote it yesterday. So if you're wondering, you know, like those of you who who maybe noticed that we had a, an 800 word story up like minutes after he got fired, um, that was why. And by the way, I owe a special thank you to Kyle Sherwood because he was the one that was able to help get it published as right. I was trying to leave the Y. So way to go, Kyle. Thank you. Couldn't have done it without you. And, uh, yeah. So that's how the sausage gets made. And, oh, oh, I still, I I almost still can't believe it. I went to the Y this afternoon. Uh, you know, we went early to kind of get it out of the way and before we went to the movie and everything. And I was just, uh, I was, I I like to play basketball as much as I can because it just keeps it interesting to work out. And because I went so early, there wasn't as many, like, kids that were just, you know, there's always, like, high school kids that are just, we're, we go to a family, why? Because we have a kid and they have a daycare and all that stuff. And there was just so many kids, there's always so many kids that are, like, taking up the courts and you're just kind of shooting with, like, three other kids. But there was, it was pretty empty. I was, like, sharing a hoop with, like, one kid. I like to do a little aerobic, like, you know, shoot around, like, I'm, you know, I do lines and stuff like that, just try to keep my heart rate up so it's actually a, you know, calorie burning activity, whatever. Right. Um, but I, I was doing a lot of, like, I'll do a lot of, like, you know, UCLA tip drill to myself to kind of get my heart rate up and stuff. And I was feeling pretty good, like, jumping, jumping, jumping. Like, um, I was going to, like, I was doing, you know, I was driving, you know, practicing driving, you know, shooting lanes. And 
I was noticing that I was getting pretty close to the rim. And uh, back in my uh, younger days, when I weighed about 90 less pounds, I I could dunk the ball pretty easily. I could I'd, I could go up off two feet and dunk it with two hands without a running start or anything. Like so, it uh, so it's kind of sad when I think about that. But I was feeling pretty good, <laughs> so I just I went up for I just went. Oh, I'm gonna try. And I haven't I haven't dunked a basketball in a couple a few years. I, I pretty much thought those days were over. And I just went up and I and I put down a weak one, like a pretty weak one, but I was fucking fired up. Like I was like, oh my god. Yeah. But then I so I went and the the people that are shooting at the far end kind of uh, stopped shooting for a bit. So I went back a little bit past half court, got a more dribble start in, because um, I was just going from like the free throw line, getting a little dunk starting going straight at the front of the hoop just threw one down with power and i was like oh my god this is like the best i was so i was already just like so hyped i'm like i am 33 i weigh 265 pounds <laughs> and i just threw down a dunk i'm like feel yeah. good about myself that's a good day yeah come home making dinner feeling good you know i'm going to the movie it's excited to see that movie it was a good movie um but figured it would be uh, a lot of friends have really liked it, so you know it was, it was a good day. And then, holy shit, like, <laughs> the, the, like what, cherry on top, man. Like, yeah. like, yeah, I. It's funny. I, I, uh, I was looking at my phone at the dinner table, and and I turned to my sister. I'm like, Ernie got fired, and I'm because I was a little bit in like shock. Yeah. And and Amanda is like, I'm surprised. Like, she's like, what's wrong? Like, she's like, you're just sitting there like I thought you would be like jumping around and like she's like I know you wanted this for so long and yeah. I'm like I'm like that's funny because she doesn't pay attention to a lot of my sports things but obviously I express this opinion enough that like, like that she knows yeah that I definitely want it or maybe she listens to the podcast and doesn't tell me I don't know who knows um but yeah so uh, but I just I, but I was just like so hyped up and i and i think i put on the slack i'm like why did i why why did i book these tickets to the movie i just want to like be on twitter and slack and just like reveling just i wanted to do this podcast to just revel and and drink fancy beer and yeah there has been a lot of reveling too behind the scenes let me tell you yeah i mean uh i don't know what else there is really to say about it we're just like we're so excited and um, I know, you know, pretty soon we're going to, you know, we're going to start looking forward a little bit because that's the fun part of this. But um, I don't know. I mean, how do we how do we put into context, you know, just how bad the last six years have been? And it's not just Ernie's five years. It's also Ken Bones last year was, yeah. you know, a total train wreck. Well, I mean, like we so. But before in Ken Bones first so, what, how, five, four years? Yeah. WSC was a run-of-the-mill, either, like, bottom half, like, Pac-12 team, which would be, like, top 100, uh, right. flirting with the top, like, uh, maybe I, th- I think the Clay team, the Clay junior year team was around 50. That was his best team. Yep. Um, but he was, uh, he had some really bad, like, seasons in terms of wins, but but it wasn't, it 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 wasn't as bad, and you saw that like when they played in the CBI, they were able to beat some teams. Like they were they played in the NIT, they were able to beat some teams. So because right. they 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 on a national level, they weren't horrendous. Right. And then Ken's last year, they just took a nosedive. 
um, and and they they were in suddenly, you know, they were touching uh, air that we thought only Paul Graham could touch ever. Like it, the, we would never like when that ha- when that year when they pulled because I think they started the year ranked around 110 on Ken Palm and then went all the way down to the 180s. Yeah, and it was just like I remember watching that and and getting to the end of the year and you're like. I never thought they could ever get this bad again after Paul Graham. Like, because before we always held up Paul Graham as like the, the obvious worst that could never. Right. Ever, Nobody could ever be that bad ever. And Ernie again. went and did it five straight years in a row. Like he, yeah. he added another five years of being that bad, and with his yeah. like, like, like his you know chef's kiss of this year, which has been the, uh, <laughs> the worst year. You know, d- flirting with uh, Paul Graham's. Uh, all-time worst Ken Palm ranking of 216, yeah. uh, and and so we're the, he's sitting at 212 I think right now, and who knows maybe with, with some weird results he could pass him, but I would I would love that honestly. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's you know that I I think what made it worse and what makes me feel so okay with you know, basically, like I said earlier, dancing on the grave, right? It's just, it's, it's like his attitude, um, you know, and, and some people spin it as, oh, he's just so positive. And I'm like, you know, like that is not the vibe that I get from him. And, you know, and it really started during that second season. I mean, you know, I remember when he was hired, he he sort of um, he went on this campaign to try and, you know, basically sell everybody on the program, which is, you know, a really normal thing for a new coach to do. Hey, I'm new and things are going to be better, I promise. And, you know, come out to our games. It's going to be great. You know, he went, walked around to the fraternities and sororities and said, hey, come on out and whatever. And so it was great. And then the first season wasn't half bad. Um, the funny thing was that the, you know, the Pomeroy ranking wasn't actually much better than the year before. It was only like four spots better, but they did win seven pack 12 games. And beyond that, they actually played a fairly, um, fun brand of basketball to watch. They were one of the fastest teams in the country after being one of the slowest teams in the country the year before. Um, in fact, Ken Bones last year, they, they averaged 20.9 seconds per offensive possession, which was 346th in the country at about <laughs> while, 350 at that time. Yeah. While also having the 233rd ranked offensive efficiency. Well, I remember That's, that our our like the 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 sin that turned us both on Ken Bone is that his he just became a, his teams were just unwatchable. Right, you can't be unwatchable. You cannot and, be unwatchable yep. and uninteresting. Right, and and uh, so when Ernie came in that first year, like there was like the 108 to 99 win over Oregon, and yep, we were like, okay, okay, at least. We're bad, but at least we're, you know, getting some close wins. Yeah. And we're and at least they're pushing the tempo. You know, he still had some decent guys, you know, that uh, the roster, I, mean, I guess the roster wasn't that much better. It was just, I, th- I think the, the like, ebb and flow of the Pac-12 determined his kind of wins. Yeah, and, and he had Devontae Lacey still. He had Devontae, Devontae Lacey. Lacey's and he's fantastic. Uh, no, did he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, his first year he did, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and um, I it was a big deal that you didn't transfer. That yeah, was, and yeah, yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, and, transfer. And, and, Josh, and, and Josh Hawkinson emerged that year. Yeah, he emerged as an actual player, and yeah. Ike Rebu had a pretty okay year, you know. Yeah, but they still were ranked really low, and like we've talked about before, the ebb and flow of the Pac-12 kind of. But but Ernie's final nail in the coffin this year is that the Pac-12 was awful, and and you you didn't have you don't have to be a stat nerd to know that. Like historically, like, yeah, awful. historically awful. Like you don't you don't have to look at Kempom. You don't have to look at anything. Like but like just results. And yep. and and then and then you you know that they're bad. When when the when the team that won fifteen games in the league is like maybe might have to win the conference tournament to make the to make the yeah. NCAA tournament, that you know it's bad. Yeah. Like like when yeah like it's you you don't have to spin it like yeah you don't have to bring in any other data and and so I think that's what made it maybe easier on from Chun's perspective is that yeah everyone knows this is bad like it's not yep. just it's not just the hardcore nerds like everyone knows this is bad and we thought that uh, the crowds were bad at, at, the crowds were bad at Bowen's final year. But I mean, by oh. this year they had set a whole new standard. Yeah. Uh, even when you're only getting like, I, I joked 1,500 last year, but I think they had about 3,000 for UW at least paid tickets. Um, UW is usually like an eight to 10,000 crowd. Yeah. Even if we're bad. Even when we're bad. Yeah. Yep. People will still come to watch that game. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> like what what got me was that second year. When they go one in seventeen, and yep. they lose their last seventeen games with Josh um, Hawk- with Josh Hawkinson, yeah, with jo- with Junior Josh Hawkinson, right? Yeah. And all these JUCO. This was his first go round with a whole bunch of JUCO guys. Connor Clifford and all those guys. Yeah, and Calson uh, uh, and you know those guys. Oh, anyway, it, it just was sort of like that was when 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 it started going south. That was when Ernie started to blame everybody else. And it was like, okay, buddy, like, all right, I see what we're doing here. Like, it, and that's when I started to sour because I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, you go through a rough year, it's your second year. And um, I mean, it's not totally crazy to, you know, go th- to, to really sort of feel the transition to a new coach, especially in basketball. It's not unusual to feel the real transition to a new coach in that second year, um, you know, because, you know, sometimes players will will transfer after the first year when they realize, OK, I'm not really in this coach's plans. So they transfer. You're bringing in freshmen. They're young. OK, so second year is not always you're it's not always better than the first year. And so, you know, like that was kind of be expected, but it was bad. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And then Ernie's having these, you know, the first of many, you know, just nonsensical news conferences where he's, you know, blaming Ken Bone and blaming whoever else he can blame. And it was, you know, and at that point, I'm just like, OK, you know, we're already paying this guy a crap ton of money. And, you know, for him to just sort of like throw everybody under the bus. um you know, it was a real turnoff. And, and then of course they, the style of play got worse. Yeah. Um, tempo got much slower, uh, for a couple of years. Uh, the results weren't good. The PAC 12 was still terrible. Um, 
you know, they were, they never won more than after that, they never won more than six pack 12 games. Um, you know, so it just was, it just was bad and it wasn't interesting. It wasn't fun. You could never look at it and think, I see reasons for hope that this is eventually going to turn around. Well, when guys, when guys are leaving the program, yeah, like just constantly. Well, and when you see like, you know, there was sort of this divided opinion to some degree on Malachi Flynn, right? Where, you know, people are like, oh, look at, you know, Kent invest Kent picked him up when he was, you know, gonna you know, and he was going nowhere. You know, he was going to just, you know, Podunksville mid major and you know, Ernie Kent gave him a chance and he should have, you know, whatever. And I'm like, dude, so many players have transferred. Um you know, logic dictates that a large number of players probably hate Ernie. Like, that's not like, you know, and then you see, you know, uh, Malachi had a tweet at one point this year, the first time Vontae Daniels got benched, um, tweeted something about, you know, basically about Ernie Kent and about getting benched. And Mm -hmm. uh, it it was pretty salty. And I don't remember exactly what it said, because I think he deleted it. But but it was the the tone was clear, you know, and, and you know, we've heard we've heard things of him just getting into full on arguments on the sidelines. And it's. It, yeah, there's st- and you, you know last night we saw that you know they said there was uh, one guy definitely grad transferring, another guy looking into it, and then like two other players that were looking. Yeah. Through. Like and so that's another four guys. Yeah. I mean you're talking like the, obviously the grad transfers are JUCOs that just got here. Yeah. And, and they're already looking to leave after a year. Yep. And that was uh, Jamie Vinnick from uh, Cougar Sports Network who yep. who tweeted that. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, and that's why I think that probably is also part of why Chun made the move so quickly is it's like, okay, you know, I mean, he has to be aware that this is out there, Um, you know, so you make that move quickly and you try and get a new coach quickly and you try and keep, you know, the guys who can play from leaving, you know, in particular, CJ Ellaby, you know, try to keep him from taking off. You want to, you want to be in the lead of that carousel too. Like, yep. Yeah. And, and uh, man, yeah. I, I got to think if he's willing to leave 4.2 on the table million that he's willing to spend a little money to get another coach too. Yeah. You, you kind of think so. Yeah. And cause he like Chun obviously sees uh, the value in the basketball program and, and, and what ha- and like the value of having butts in the seats and, and having interest yep. in it Yep. Uh, because it is, it's not just, you know, revenue from the revenue from the, uh, uh, seats, but there's also just uh, it, it's proven that like when you have programs that are nationally relevant, like you have higher uh, applications and and you know like it, yep. it when, when with a football team, but then you know if you can have a team that's in March Madness and people are seeing you, everyone's seeing you, you have you have there's this higher awareness university. Your alumni are happier. They're more likely to donate money. Like it's just like it, you feel pride. There, there's a part of athletics as a, even people that you know, you know, might be if you might be against the uh, you know the athletic parts of college, which is definitely a you know it's not a crazy thing to be against. And but 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 it's like you know what like you and I both have far more pride in our university because of the sports programs. And sure. I donate more money to the university because of the sports program. And, and I, and I'm more involved with the university because of the sports yeah. program. Um, and it feels like more of a, you know, more of a connection. And so, um, Sean obviously realized that I'm, I'm glad he did. 
Um, if you want to bring it down a little bit, man, I, I was looking at Instagram and, and I saw yeah. Tim Marion uh, yep. uh, something about, you know, keeping himself up or whatever. And Tim's a friend of mine and I've known him since we, we went to school and he was a manager uh, for Tony Bennett. And so, you know, that's a bummer. He's, I, I've talked about it before. He's, this, I think this is the third head. He was with Kembo when he got fired. And then uh, he was with the San Jose State coach when he got fired, and, and now he's a... So that, that's a part, like, the assistants don't get the $4.2 million gold No, they don't. <laughs> no, they uh, don't. They're left to just go look for another job. Like, and, and, and they're not independently wealthy. Uh, it, it's not like football nope. assistants. Yeah, nope. They're not making, you know, 500000 you know. Like, so... It's, uh, it, you know, that's the bummer about it. But honestly, like, sorry, man, like Ernie, Ernie had to go. Yeah. And I mean, it, it just, it just is what it is and it sucks, you know, but I, yeah, I, I, I typed out a comment on Tim's status and then I deleted it. I was like, oh. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, uh, cause yeah. like, you know, I'd, I'd always message him when, when things are going, you know, when they had good weekends, like Arizona yeah. state and led the legends classic and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just, you know, it's it's always that thing that's in the back of your mind uh, when you when you think about those guys. Like, yep, uh, they're like they're the collateral damage really here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, and it sucks. Um, but, you know, honestly, you can you can blame the guy up top, man, because yeah. it, it's it, it's he it's his. It's his program and uh, it's his results and. And uh, you know it's 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 totally within our right as fans to you know and with and alumni to want him to be removed and so yep. um, and yeah and and again like like you said it's like I felt worse for Kim Bone like because he was like just seemed a guy that was genuinely trying just was out of answers yeah, um, yeah. but Ernie just didn't seem to ever wanted to adapt to anything like Ken. Bone definitely adapted. Like he tried everything. Like yeah. he took his, you know, he would take his one horse and have him, you know, shoot thirty percent of the shots. And yep. know, but Ernie just kept doing what he was doing. You know, never, never preached defense. You know, even though they they show those they show those uh you know coaches huddles during the game and he's like you're gonna play defense. It's like well if you don't practice it, <laughs> like, like if 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 you're not if you're not if if it's not a part of your program constantly, and you're not recruiting guys that are to that mold, yeah. like why why would you expect it to suddenly happen? There there there's guys can that can be just you know exceptional on their own, like Ellaby and you know, but but it's like but there if you're not preaching it and you're not teaching it, like it's it's not going to come. And there's just so much that you could see on the basketball court when I'm preaching. Like just the, the the his last game was just so ridiculously bad it, it, and it wasn't just what oregon was doing like they no no uh, they I, I mean they made it easy for oregon yep um because you know truthfully they should have been they they were down uh what like 20 a half 17 at halftime truthfully they should have been down by 30 at halftime. oh yeah easily like, could have been down like, by 30 oregon at playing, like oregon was playing like shit themselves but WSU had a, I, I kept track, they had one, six turnovers in a row at one point. Yep. Like, that's a program thing. Yep. Like, turnovers are a coaching thing. Like, you, because you see certain coaches that have consistently, their teams have limited turnovers. 
And you see certain coaches that don't. And and so that's one of those things that we can look to that is directly impacted by coaching. And and so it's just it's it's so like oh my god. Like I don't know what's coming next, man. I'll say I open up a, a second beer while, while while I have the floor here. Um, <laughs> it is um uh Jester King, which is a, a a brewery out in the hill country of Texas. I yeah. highlighted them on a Baxter's beer. Yes, you did. Um, and this is Spawn, which is the beer I highlighted, but it's the raspberry and cherry version. Um, so this is one another one of those spontaneously fermented beers, like the Degard one I talked to you about. Um, so I'm, this is raspberry cherry. This is much more of a crimson, uh, beautiful color to it uh, than that one I had earlier this week, which had black raspberries, which impart more of a purple uh, color and had the purple name, of course. Um, but this one is just a beautiful kind of those like before WSU, um, before they, uh, you know, made made like created an actual crimson color for WSU that when Moose came in, uh, when you would just get random colored shirts. And I definitely yeah. like my first Cougar shirt was like this deep, deep, almost maroon color. I remember that I bought it at the bookie um, during uh, a live and I had it for years, but finally the holes were worn in it in every which way. And but th- that's what this color of this beer is, and it's beautiful, uh, beautiful fruity aroma, um, really well done, funky and 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 great. Um, another beer that I've been saving for a while, and I was just like, hell, well, might as well drink it tonight. Tonight's a good night. Tonight's a good night. Um, so I'm thinking, all right, so we've 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 done our venting now on Ernie and all the reasons why we hated him and all the reasons why he had to go and, you know, being a snake oil salesman and, and everything else. And oh, by the way, by the way, do you remember that at the beginning of this season, um, he assured us that they were long and athletic, long and, and this, athletic and that this was going to be the best team yet under Ernie Kenton Pullman. Just uh, checking. Checking checking the numbers real quick. Oh no, let's, worst team yet. Yeah, worst. let's let's pour one Maybe out that's for what long he and athletic. Maybe that's what he meant. Oh to yeah, say. I pour one out, but I got car. Like, we have this no, carpet. don't pour that out. Don't I do have some woolite like within reach. So yeah, I, but don't, I but don't pour that out. That'd be a waste. No, but but uh, yeah. Um, but not yeah, his best team ever. Definitely no. by and by objective metrics, his worst team. And definitely not long. Yeah, not that long. Athletic in parts, you know, in Marvin spots. Cannon's athletic and yep. Isaiah Waits. CJ Ellaby's pretty athletic. Yeah. CJ Ellaby's athletic. Isaiah uh, Waits athletic for an undersized center. Yeah, he's six foot seven <laughs> center. For a wing. So he better be center. athletic. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. Uh the next coach has got got his work cut out for him a, a, a little yes. bit. Um one of the things that Chen said was, you know, he thinks he has the roster to win immediately if he gets the right coach. No. Nope. Which I thought which I don't think is necessarily true, but I, I thought was sort of a curious thing for him to say because I, I mean what greater indictment is there of the incumbent than to say we are firing you because we think someone else can do miles better than what you could do. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's sort of, um, I don't know, man, that, that quote from Chun was pretty, uh, to, to use a word I already used was, it was, was a little salty, man. It was like, yeah. you know, basically, uh, I, I fired him cause he's done a shitty job and I'm about to hire someone who's going to do better. Like, I just thought it was, I thought it was funny. So w- 
Well, I guess I'll, I'll throw it back to you for this. You know, playing the, and we could throw out a few names or whatever for guys that, you know, might be, uh, might be candidates, but you know, it's really, really hard in college basketball, right? Cause, um, you know, you got 353 jobs. It's, it's not like football where you're basically, you can look at successful mid-major head coaches, high profile assistant coaches in the power five. And that's pretty much your pool to draw from, right? When you're trying to think of guys, uh, college basketball is so much harder because you've got, you know, like I said, 353 programs they're all over the country various sizes and shapes and um it's a and then they of course all have assistants right and and so it's very difficult to kind of put your finger on you know who they might be looking at so i think you know like i said we can go down that road a little bit with a few names but but before we do that i'm kind of thinking it might be interesting um you know maybe just to weigh in on what is it that you that you think they should be targeting like, do, does that make sense? Like, what attributes are you looking for in the next guy? Well, you you want a guy that has a system and a style, like it, we, that that you know, can recruit specific talent, not and not hope for you know the best talent. We, I think you and I both, when Ernie was hired, we looked at this and said like, this dude needs fucking four and five stars for this to work. Like, it's because just to cover up all the other flaws like because there's really no system there's no method to it it's just like um it's the proverbial roll the ball out and just let them go play uh yeah yeah so and it is and so you know obviously the most successful coach we've had in recent memory is is tony bennett and he played a very specific style now it's 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 kind of annoying and kind of cliche that say that needs to be like a defensive focused coach, but you need a guy like Tony Bennett or uh, why can't I think of the guy's name in Wichita state right now? I did. Yeah. Greg uh, Williams. Yeah. No, Greg. Or even a guy like Frank Marshall. Greg Marshall. Oh my God. Greg Marshall. Yeah. I knew you would know, but I'm glad that you got it wrong. I feel feel worse. I feel better. In Um, my defense, I've just had a large beer. So yeah. But but even even a guy like Frank like a guy not Frank Martin but like a guy like that who sure. has like a style of play. Now, yeah, I think that it would be easier to succeed, um, uh, in in Pullman with Greg Marshall type than Frank Martin type. Um, but just having something like having a program like what we've seen. What we see in the football program is a, a guy has a you know, leech is weird and and he's stubborn, but he does he does things the way he wants it. He ha- he wants like the defense to be a certain way, uh, which is you know like getting the ball back and 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 he wants he he and he just hires guys that'll do that and you know basically uh, and get the ball back quickly or or any way possible and and then he has an offense that he has very minimally changed for <laughs> the entire time he's been in Pullman and it's it looks a heck of a lot like what he ended up at Texas Tech with and so he but he recruits guys and they're not like they're not world beaters they're they're not you know we have like we've talked about this at the signing day podcast they're not 
four. They're, we're not getting many four stars, anything like that. But hell, they've won a fuck ton of games in the last four years. And and Tony Bennett was the same way. He was not recruiting like huge. He did it. That, I mean, his his recruiting was understated, and his ability to uh, identify talent is probably his best attribute other than the pack defense. And but 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 he, still, it's not like they were recruiting four and five star guys. And but they were winning. And so you need a guy that just has a method. You know has a program and I don't I don't think Ernie Kent had the interest to build a program and he never had in the past really he he'd just been a good recruiter and that wasn't going to fly when he was out of coaching for four years and also was now suddenly recruiting to Pullman um, and not or- Oregon and Nike and everything like that you know so I just I just want a guy that uh, one and okay the, the overarching I, I, I don't want to play the big sky lotto man like I just don't. I I've you know I've heard the guy at Montana had, but like Montana is like the USC of their conference. Like they right. have resources. So to me that's not a one to one comparison. Like if you're good at Montana that you can can su- succeed in Pullman. Um, I want a guy that's pretty much been at the top of a conference. And, and and it can be a low major conference, but I want a guy consistently at the top of the conference, consi- like who ha- who has done it in in a, maybe a unique way or something. It's I know this is all kind of random shit, but like I just don't want to play this lottery again of just like a random guy, like and hope it works out. I know Ken Bone was definitely more of a calculate, like he 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 had a pedigree of being Romar's assistant, and he was. We, he was often said as the guy who orchestrated their offense and blah blah blah, and then he went to a couple tournaments with Portland State. But what, like we talked about on Tuesday, he wasn't necessarily building like a consistent best program in in in, in the Big Sky, and you know that came to fruition. So you know I I hope they can be one creative, and I and I hope they can find a guy that has actually had success. Um, but at the same time. Uh, UW just went and hired a guy a couple years ago that was just an assistant for 20 years under one of the you know better most successful coaches in, in the last couple decades and and he just basically came in and ran the same defense and UW is suddenly uh, you know the best team in the in the in the league whatever that's worth when the best team can be like 50th but whatever but yeah I you know it's that was a rambling answer but I want a guy that just has a fucking program man. <laughs> So one of the things you alluded to in there was was sort of about talent and how you get it and how it fits and and, and kind of all that stuff. And and it's like there, there's sort of this like common misconception that, you know, Tony Bennett could roll out any five guys and go win the Pac-12. Like like it, it was like, oh, well, let's just hire a coach who plays defense and and runs yeah. the pack line and. Um, you know, we get we we get one of Tony Bennett's disciples, someone like, you know, throw out a name, Ron Sanchez or Ben Johnson or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And and everything will be great. And it's like that's, you know, one of the things that I think people sort of criminally underrate about Tony is that he's this amazing. Like I'll even use unbelievable. Now I, I hate it when people use the word unbelievable because like very few things are actually unbelievable. But like. Tony is an unbelievable um, identifier of talent. Um, I, I mean, you look at, he was a guy who was on Clay Thompson before anybody else. 
um, you know, what his guys have gone on to do after college, uh, Joe Harris, you know, whatever, right? I mean, all these guys that he has recruited um, and he saw something in them and then was able to, you know, get them to fit within his scheme and and really get the most out of them. I mean, the guys went in ACC titles in freaking Virginia. Like, it's like, yeah. I, I don't think most people understand um like like what that means and and what that actually that accomplishment actually is um well yeah if you want to talk about insert the pack line you'll win well look at sean miller at arizona right he's he's getting top recruits he's playing pack line they're being they're pretty inconsistent you know last year they were they got deandre ayton and they were you know the top team Right. But this year they they they're as bad as they've been in a long time, and then they yep. play the pack line. Yep. So if 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 it if it's no guarantee at Arizona, if you play the pack line, you're going to be successful. Then then it, there's obviously something beyond just playing the yep. pack line. Yeah, it's it's more than that, and and so to me, it's like it's less about what the system is and more about just having a system right. or having a philosophy that allows you to maybe access some players. You mentioned Frank Martin. Um, that was a guy I mentioned, you know, five years ago. And again, not as a realistic option that that wasn't it, but as a guy who has a very distinct style that allows him to recruit players that maybe other teams aren't necessarily looking at. So one of the things that he does, he recruits, you know, really athletic big men. Now you're like, well, WSU can't recruit really athletic big men, but but what he recruits is he recruits these really raw athletic big men, these guys who don't have much of a game offensively, um, but they can sure run and jump and they can, you know, clean the glass both defensively, but mostly offensively where they can just crash the glass and crash the glass and, and really just sort of disrupt. And he just sends waves of these big guys at people. They will foul people like crazy and they just don't care. And it's like, okay, so, you know, maybe there's this opportunity out there if, you know, something like that, where it's like, okay, so we're just going to recruit these unrefined, really raw big guys who, you know, another program like UCLA or Oregon or whatever, you know, they're not going to want because they're just too raw. Like they're not, they're not refined enough offensively. Right. So, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do, it's got to be something like that. Or maybe it's like a guy who's got really strong ties to international recruiting. So that's where names like, um, you know, Leon Rice, who came up, you know, five years ago when he was, you know, coaching at Boise State. Well, he's still at Boise State. Um, just had a little bit of a down year with them. I'm not sure what was going on there. I don't follow the Mountain West as closely as I used to because now I'm old and I have kids and they're all older too. But I know they had a little bit of a down year, but he's got a track record of recruiting guys internationally, particularly from Australia, which has been, you know, good for WSU in the past. Um, another name that'll probably come up is uh, Mark Fuse, top assistant at Gonzaga, Tommy Lloyd. Um, I doubt he would take the job. I think probably he would look at it as not necessarily, um, you know, a, a path towards. Uh, you know, getting a, a, a truly big job someday. You know, I, I do think there are some coaches that probably look at this job as somewhat of a career killer, but, but a guy like that, I mean, he really is the reason that Gonzaga has been so good. And I know Mark Fuse is a good coach and all that, you know, fuck Gonzaga and everything that we said, you know, two days ago, but you know, we got to respect what they've done. And, and a big part of why they've been able to do it is Tommy Lloyd, 
um, you know, finds these guys all over the globe, right? I mean, they've had this long, long, uh, you know, history of recruiting guys that are from international locations and, and all over the planet, basically. So, uh, and that's Tommy Lloyd. And so, you know, maybe you hire a guy like that who, um, again, can tap into a, a, a talent base that, you know, Ernie Kent was never going to tap into. Ernie Kent walked in here and, like you said, um, basically wasn't even trying. You know, just kind of thought, I'm Ernie Kent. Kids are going to flock to me. And it was stupid and it was wrong and it obviously didn't happen. And, um, you know, so that's the direction I think that, you know, Pat Chen needs to go. Um, and I think some of it depends on, you know, the budget. I mean, we don't know what the budget is. Um, right. I think, again, the general assumption was, oh, man, they're going to pinch pennies. Now, I'm not so sure. You know, I think, uh, you know, we talked about Kyle Sherwood earlier. You know, Kyle said – um, on Slack, basically, we just, you know, fired a guy for $4 million. We can do anything. And and, and he was kind of joking, but he kind of wasn't, right? Like, where it's like, all right, well, you know, maybe, maybe the budget is bigger. Maybe they are looking at it the way Bill Moose looked at Mike Leach, which was, you know, hey, if we, you know, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a risk to make a big splash, but if it pays off, you know, then it, you know, more than pays for itself. And, so, you know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Um, you know, people have floated the name Thad Mata because of the connection with Ohio State between Chun and Mata. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that would be incredible, but I, yeah. I just don't yep. see it happen. I mean, Mata's a Midwest guy. He had some health problems. Um, that was sort of part of the end of uh, of his story at, at Ohio State. So, look, I mean, if it happens, that'd be incredible. But, um, you know, for me, I think, honestly, you know, Tommy Lloyd would probably actually be my top pick. I think he'd be great. Um, I don't know if he can coach, but I know he can recruit and I know he can recruit from a place where WCU is probably going to, I mean, even Tony Bennett had to tap in to international recruiting. So I think any coach that is going to have any success here and, and I know that the market for international recruits has gotten tighter, you know, in the last 10 years, more and more programs have sort of turned on to that idea. Um, you know, when WSU was doing it, particularly Australia, you know, there were only a handful of schools that were recruiting Australia and that was sort of WSU and St. Mary's and, and, and that was kind of like the two big places where Australians were going. So um, I know it's harder now, but still, I think uh, I think if I'm thinking, you know, a guy who maybe has a chance to, um, you know, to do something big, a guy who already lives in the area and is sort of familiar with the West Coast, I think I think Tommy Lloyd's kind of it. I don't think he'll take it. But, um, yeah, but, to that but point, that would be the guy I would pick. I mean, you know, we've just. The, the, there's there's like a rumor uh you know that like mark few tells coaches not to take the job at wsu yeah, I mean, that, that was the rumor with leon rice because yeah rice so, was his assistant so so you know would tommy lloyd you know who who is a, even you know another close connection to him so it's you know it that i mean obviously that that would be cool um and uh it I, I have no names now, man. I, I, I'm just in this mode of like, man, I wish we would have hired Eric Musselman. Like, God, no ago. kidding. Um, but uh, and now I'm like, D- does would he would he come here now? But no, he wouldn't. Like, why would you? Uh, Heck no. Nevada would be a step. Nevada no, to here. Nevada is a better job right now. But see, Absolutely. but he's doing. So this is the thing. Like, so he's a good coach, and then he's also again tapping into. Um, you know, talent markets that other people aren't. He he has been really aggressive about 
um, getting Division One transfers, so guys who have to transfer and sit. Um, he's got, I think, three guys on his roster right now who are sitting out. Um, so out of his 13 scholarships, he's got three sucked up by guys who can't even play right now um, because and, and it's worked out really, really well for him. He sort of recognized that that was how he was going to have to add talent. So, yeah, it's yeah. Don't get me started on Musselman. Um, if you want to hear something cool, all of our listeners uh, listen to Musselman's interview on a solving basketball podcast with uh, uh, Jordan Sperber. Um, that well, was, you know that you was know sort you of enlightening. Sorry, just yeah. You asked me earlier what I want. I want a fucking nerd, man. Yeah. Like, let's get a nerd in there. Let's get a like a like or or get someone like Brad Stevens who will hire a nerd. Yep. And like, because you know what? We gotta be Oakland A's. We gotta Oakland A's Billy Bean this shit up. Like, we gotta moneyball it. Because like, it we the facilities are crap right now, and it's not a it's not a it's not an attractive job. Like it's. Like, when we're talking about the guy who's coaching in Nevada wouldn't want to take a Pac-12 job, like, that's a legitimate reality because, you know, we just, it's it's not a good destination. And, you know, it's, Tony Bennett had success here, but he's had unreal success at Virginia. And, you know, obviously not in the tournament, but, I mean, he's winning ACC titles almost every year, which is, I never would have thought that would have happened, even though I had it's such a high opinion of him um but it, it but you you see that but when you you hear people talk about tony bennett they go he even won at wsu like, <laughs> okay thank you but yeah it's thanks true, though it's Asshole. true and yeah it is true it, it it's definitely true it's a difficult job you know i saw a tweet and i don't know if it was you that responded to it or or uh someone else that's around Preston or someone but Talking about how bad the so people forget uh, this is from uh, just some random WSU uh, like student. People forget being the head coach of WSU basketball program is quite possibly the toughest gig in D1 basketball. Okay, um, go to a, um, a HBCU school, but whatever. Yeah, uh, between yeah. the between the lack of a recruiting base and more importantly the lack of funding. Is a job set up for failure. It's hard to blame Ernie Kent for not succeeding. It's actually pretty easy to blame him for not succeeding. Yes. Given the fact that his <laughs> two coaches had far more success than he did. Previous, yeah. Like even Dick Bennett, the previous three coaches had far more success than he did. Because um, it wasn't the bar is so low, and he he couldn't meet that. Like I'm sorry, but having having like um, low major level teams. Like every year, like I, I joke to you about how um, Iona uh, was ranked lower than us, and they got a tournament bid. And uh, but it was more like, yeah, we're ranked at the same level as Iona in the, in the not the MAC, but the MAC with two A's. Yeah, the MAC. <laughs> the MAC. The MAC. Uh, yeah. And and they but actually um, with their uh, dominant win in their conference title game they passed WSU and now that's even a farther gap thanks to the big loss so yeah um, you're you're at a MAC title winner level but you're playing in the Pac-12 which I, I mean which looks like a mid-major conference currently um, it's basically a touch above the Mountain West at this point. 
Um, even the Southland probably had two better teams than any of the teams in, in the Pac-12 this year. Um, the Southland Conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I think the Southland's going to get two bids, um, probably. Yeah. Um, their conference title game was, like, the probably the lowest stakes it's ever been. Uh, but, and, 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 and the Pac-12 is probably going to get one. Not if you listen to the Pac-12 guys. It's going to get Arizona State and UW already locked in, um, which no one else is saying. But... Um, <laughs> yeah. That was Don McLean actually said that. <laughs> yeah, today. Don McLean said that. I mean, I know it's his job to be a show, but geez, that dude, come on, don't don't go to Bill Walton's level of that no. show. No. Although I will say, like, I, I've got, I've, I've, I've grown tired of Bill a little bit and his like Conference of Champions stick, shtick. Uh, but it was pretty funny uh, early in the game when Ellaby made it 3-0 against Oregon. Uh, Bill Walton, who had never seen LB play, said, oh, this is the best game I've ever seen CGLB play. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, and then he <laughs> said it was the first game he ever saw him play. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, so... That was the last know. game of all time of Ernie yeah. Kent. Yeah. And oh, it, so a little more behind the scenes. Jeff had a different picture of Ernie Kent picked out for, <laughs> for, for the uh, firing post. And uh, it was like Ernie looking glum, which was a good picture. It's fine, Jeff. That was a good picture. Yeah. But if you follow Coog Center, you know that every time WSU loses, WSU basketball loses, uh, we use the exact same picture on the recap of Ernie shrugging, doing this like shrugging, like I have no idea what's going on move. And that started a couple years ago and we've just continued it on. Um, If you follow our Facebook or anything, you've seen that picture so many times. And so a few of us got on the Slack and we're like, Jeff, you gotta change it. You gotta, you gotta have the shrug one last time, the shrugging photo, because that is just a legendary photo, at least to us. And so, one more, the for one final time, the Ernie shrugging, po- shrug, shrugging photo, and never again. Never again. I'm, I am happy to, uh, happy so to say, flush that. I, I finished the uh, spawn already. And then I'm back. I saved some protection spells because it was that. so good. I just wanted to let it sit. I actually also haven't uh, because I, I split the protection spells with Amanda, and then it took us a while to get the podcast going. She's like, "Can we split another beer?" And so I also have open an E9 Brewery Atma, which is a barrel-aged saisons. Which E9 is almost uh, pretty much on the level of Floodland for me, but just way easier to get. And this beer is delicious. Haven't even had a sip of it yet, but I will certainly be drinking that. Yep. Well, what do you think? I think we're, I think we've pretty much exhausted this thing. What do you think? Well, yeah, there'll I, be, I mean, look, there'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it some more on Tuesday. We'll, and, we'll talk more about the coaching search. Yeah, it's, I mean, there. it's going to take, I, I can't imagine it happens quickly. Yeah. Um, I'd be, I'd be surprised if yeah, it happened. I mean, the, the, uh, that there's still, a lot of your good coaching candidates are still coaching. So, yep. Yep. And, you know, and maybe, you know, I don't know. It's, you know, it's going to be fascinating um, to see how Chun goes through this and see which guys. It's definitely going to be different than the, I'm I'm using air quotes, searching process that we use. Yeah. That Bill Moose went through. Oh, Um, one more time for Bill Moose. 4.2 million. 
Um, so I think we can agree that the first rollover was fine after the first season, whatever. Yeah, sure. But the next two added $2.8 million to that number. Yeah. So he really did his uh, buddy a favor, the only basketball coach he has ever hired. So yep. congratulations, Nebraska, your next basketball coach. I'm stealing the stroke from someone on Twitter, and I don't remember who did it. I'm sorry. Uh, if you're listening, I'm sorry I stole it. But the next basketball coach in Nebraska, Ernie Kent. Yeah. I, uh, you know, maybe we can get lucky and Ernie Kent will fire Tim Miles and then we can hire Tim Miles. I'd be totally down for that. You mean was, Bill Moose will fire him? Yeah. That's, that's what I meant. Sorry. I mean, wait. <laughs> no, wait. Ernie Kent's? Yeah. Oh, no. He no, was Ernie Kent pulling... was pulling the strings all the time. I'm sorry. It is so late. I'm sorry, people. It's after midnight. It's so. after midnight while we're recording. Yeah. This, but this no. is a legit emergency podcast. Maybe we'll get lucky and Bill, I, I have Moose, a, Bill Moose have, will fire. I have a, I, my, first, my first work call is with our Europe team at 7 a.m. tomorrow. So. <laughs> and I'm still drinking. I, so. I have to I have to teach tomorrow. So I, I'm, I'm, like, sure, I'm sure they'll understand. I'm sure. Well, I think your kids would be more likely to understand than my... Uh, my colleagues in Europe who don't even know what college basketball even means. Yeah, that's probably uh, true. Yeah. They're like, what is, what is this sports affiliated with university? I know. <laughs> right. Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, if, uh, if, uh, you know, in some way Bill Moose, you know, sort of like, goes crazy and fires Tim miles. Well, now that Ernie's I would, I would the... love to have it. Yeah. We could just swap. Can we just trade? Hey, Bill, Ernie's back on the market, Ernie's dude. Get your guy in there. And we could just try. Maybe we should have done that. Maybe Chun shouldn't have fired him, and we could just, you know, do a coach swap. They yeah, do those like first. sometimes they do those like in baseball and stuff. Yeah, in baseball. That's how, like, we, that's, that's how we got rid of Lou Pinella. I think they didn't. Did the Seahawks kind of traded for uh, Mike Holmgren. Yeah, I mean, we traded Lou Pinella for uh, what's his name, the outfielder, Win. Yeah, right. Randy Wynn. Yeah. yeah, we traded we traded Lou Pinella for an outfielder, so you know maybe we could trade. Hey, I would I would have traded um, Bill Moose for a walk on point guard. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I would trade it. It's late. I would trade Ernie Kent for a walk on. <laughs> See, point you guard. did it too. <laughs> I know you. I did it the other way. I, I would I, I honestly by the end I would have traded Bill Moose for a walk on point guard. Yeah, which is kind of what we did. So <laughs> him too. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. We should wrap this up. All right. Well, good times. Uh, Ernie uh, we, have, we have a Twitter now. It's we do. Pod, we have a Twitter now. pod versus everyone at it. Set, communicate with us on there, man. Like, yeah. it, uh, I, we, we're, I'm looking at it. Jeff's looking at it. We we simultaneously tweeted that there'd be an emergency podcast today. Yeah. There were two different <laughs> tweets. Um, so we're not even. We're not even like uh, we're not even organized, so it's even better. Uh, but but yeah, just tweet us out there, um, follow it. Uh, there'll be lots of snark and lots of fun, um, and uh, lots of links to podcasts. So uh, give us give us a follow there. Um, I I was trying to set up an Instagram yesterday, but since Facebook and Instagram didn't work, uh, I lost any uh, momentum on that. And we'll see. Maybe I'll set it up in the next six months or something. Maybe. Um, maybe. But maybe. yeah. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, we are free. We are free. We are finally free. Um, and uh, now we just have to figure out what the hell's happening next. And Hell yeah. Yeah, we'll be back on. Uh, we'll be back next week. 
there's no there's no uh, basketball cadence to drive us drive when we do it. But honestly, it'll probably still be Tuesday or Wednesday, or, or Wednesday or Thursday when you see the podcast. But yeah, but we have we have the NCAA tournament to look forward to. Oh, so we have to do it on well, we at least have to do it on Wednesday though. Yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday. We will we will NCAA. The first, the first four games still don't fucking count in my opinion. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah, but you don't even have to fill out your bracket before then. So why do they even care? They they don't count, and everybody knows it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for letting us waste another hour and a half of your life. That's right. Uh, and go fucking Cougs. That's right. Goodbye. <laughs>